I am Sandy Ouellette. And I am Nancy Marie. Co-chairs of Beyond the Mass Committee to evaluate scholarly doctoral projects. Next deadline for work to be considered to present on Beyond the Mask is October 1. Please complete the one-page application found on Beyond the Mask webpage to be considered. We look forward to working with you. Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs and advanced practice nurses with certified financial planner Jeremy Stanley and CRNA Sharon Pierce. Jeremy Stanley has worked with CRNAs for more than 23 years, and Sharon Pierce is a former president of the AANA and the NCANA. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA and advanced practice nurse industries. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Hey, Sharon. Uh, well, We're in Pennsylvania. I know. Good afternoon. It is good afternoon. What a great day we've had today. I'm telling you, it's been an interesting experience, no lie. Uh, on so many levels. So many we did levels. the live podcast taping. Can't wait for that to air. That yeah, was, was going to be awesome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Goodness. And we've got another one lined up right now that right I'm now. super excited about. and actually living the dream right now yes you, you are mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yes you we'll, are we'll be interested to talk about that so why don't you introduce our guest for us um i would be happy to do you go by angel i, I go by angel my name is angela but um i've always gone by angel i the thought i heard people calling you that so we have an angel <laughs> on our podcast today yes. <laughs> um. so angel I saw your topic on the agenda here at the PANA meeting, and I just had to know more about it because I have never seen anybody speak on this before, and I found it fascinating. So, and how do you say your last name? Jap. Jap. Mm -hmm. So, it is exactly what it looks like. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Angel Jap. If I was Scottish, I might say Yap. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, and it's not, I, it was a name I married into, so <laughs> I go by their pronunciation. So you've got that name. All right. So Angel Jap, mm-hmm. tell us about your topic. So I talked today about battlefield acupuncture, and battlefield acupuncture is an auricular acupuncture protocol that comprises of five particular points that when needled in a sequence, treat acute and con- chronic pain and also anxiety. And uh, So in a sequence? So in a you sequence. You have to put them in? In a certain sequence. In a certain sequence. So tell us your background before we get started on the, the, okay. the do's and don'ts. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been uh, a nurse for 23 years. I um Uh, graduated from Duquesne University with a second degree in nursing. I had a communication degree prior to that and um, in 1995 and then worked at uh, UPMC Shadyside in their, uh, mostly in their CTICU for 12 years until I went to 
University of Pitt's anesthesia program in 2007, graduated in December of 2009, and then uh, worked at UPMC Presby for seven and a half years, and then uh, went to the VA, which is just up the hill, um, and I've been there for the last six years, and it's at the VA that I learned how to do battlefield acupuncture. I hadn't heard of it prior to that, but I've always been interested in kind of alternative modalities when I was at Shadyside. Um, it was in the late 90s when they were starting to do more alternative medicines. A complementary medicine was coming into vogue, and they taught us therapeutic touch. So there mm -hmm. was a group of us that went around the hospital and would uh, treat patients with therapeutic touch, and I saw that that was uh, a successful I did a paper on that in college. Did you? Hmm. I sure did. Yeah. Uh, Betty Krieger uh, founded that oh, yes, whole yes, yes, movement, yes, and yeah. they have actually shown that you can increase people's hemoglobin, and you can decrease their blood sugars by therapeutic touch. I think I did some therapeutic touch in college as well. <laughs> it was interesting. Oh, well, you were? Did you practice a lot there? <laughs> think you were messing with uh, hemoglobin or blood sugar whenever Are you, you were a healer? <laughs> when you were doing some therapeutic uh. touch. <laughs> that wasn't your focus of that concentration. Focus, no, no. So explain exactly what is battlefield acupuncture. And by the way, just so people know, you did it to Sharon and I right before we got on the air. Mm -hmm. And Sharon's sitting there. She's not really feeling anything, and I feel like I'm high as a kite right now. Just <laughs> that's why um, he's talking about college. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's I'm I'm totally relaxed. My hands are more relaxed. My feet are relaxed. You know, yeah. I feel sort of a euphoria. Well, what's funny is my hands and feet are getting hot. Well, I was wondering if you would feel that's it funny, in your feet too. with your feet. Yeah. Issues. Well, your hands were They're ice. Sweaty. My yeah, hands mine are, are too. Yeah. But my hand, so, your hands so that were like ice, mm. just because you, you therapeutic touched me just a minute ago, <laughs> and it was like you were a dead man because they were so, yeah. and now they're just as hot as they're they warm. can be. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, how they think it works to cause that effect is that uh, most researchers believe that it hits into the parasympathetic nervous system via the um, auricular branch of the vagus nerve. It also, acupuncture itself can release different, all the, the opioid neuropeptide substance mm -hmm. P and cephalicans, endorphins, which is mm -hmm. why you mm -hmm. may feel that euphoria. So it also affects dopamine, cytokines, glutamate, nitric oxide, and GABA to produce the anti-inflammatory and analgesic effects. It works on the neural pathways ascending and descending, but... I was also talking with my acupuncturist the other day because it's it's very hard to figure out how acupuncture works. And, you know, there's always these esoteric ideas of like the movement of chi, if you've heard of that mm -hmm. before, yeah. the flow yeah. of energy. And, you know, I always thought of that was like, you know, how did they figure that out? And nobody really knew until um, just recently, I think it was probably about 30 years ago, but they found the most ancient anatomical text atlas was from China uh, 2,500 years ago and it wasn't so it wasn't the Greeks who first did mm. Um, mm. anatomy books it was uh, China and so they always talked about acupuncture as these meridians that um, work how different structures integrate within a meridian system to create flow 
you know, it's, it is interesting that what I'm discerning from this is everything really is made in China. Yeah. <laughs> is that the case? Good God, these things in his ears made him smarter, too, for God's sake. Now if he could just speed me up oh to talk gosh. faster. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. That is funny. So you mm-hmm. call it BF, BFA, uh, Battlefield yeah. Acu- Acupuncture. And it was, so it was called that. The gentleman who developed this protocol um, was Richard Nimzoff. He developed it in August of 2001, and he was working at the United States um, Medical Center in San Diego. And he was the first physician acupuncturist within um, the military. And he had learned this. So he developed this in August of 2001, and then... 9-11 9-11 happened mm. and he named it battlefield and i look in honor of what was going on in the country at the time and and working with the military and and knowing what they were going to have to deal with but i also think that on a day-to-day basis especially you know i think it's more noticeable since covid that we are all dealing with a lot more stressors in our life than we were five years ago mm. and but and but we always kind of face a, a not to um, disregard the battlefield, and I'm not meaning to make assumptions. I'm just saying that we all deal with different things in our life that come up, and we have to be prepared always and be at our best to to be able to deal with those situations and not run away from them. And by getting us into the parasympathetic state where our body is in homeostasis, um, and is most ideally um, working effectively, then it allows us to deal with whatever faces us. So it's not just the battlefield that you think of, but just life in general. Life is a battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> Pat There's Benatar. A That's Pat Benatar. Yes, yes it, it is. is. Yes. yes, it is. See, Good I call. Told you this has made him yeah. smarter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do they use this in the, the Veterans Health administration and department of defense i mean are these things that you know are actually done on a regular basis yes yes so um i learned this technique through the va and as i said nimzov had been working in the military and it took him a long time to get this to get buy-in for this but um as the opioid crisis grew and the Department of Defense was tasked with finding ways to to treat the our veteran soldiers. They were looking for other modalities. And in 2010, they had a um, the Department of Defense released the final report of a pain management task force. And the key finding was a lack of non-pharmacologic modalities within the system. So they recommended incorporating integrative and alternative um, therapeutic modalities into the patient care model. And they determined that acupuncture, including battlefield acupuncture, was the modality most ready to implement based Mm. on current literature supporting efficacy, safety, widespread use, and acceptability. And then, so from that, in 2014, the Department of Defense and the Veterans Health Administration, together with a joint incentive grant, developed a system-wide approach to disseminate acupuncture training for BFA with the goal of facilitating its delivery in any setting where a patient needs pain relief. Hmm. 
so it's from that that it came to me in mm-hmm. 2019. Um, they took this and started, they worked with the um, National uh, Department of Acupuncture within the Veterans Health Administration, developed a program t- of teaching it. It's a quick class. It takes, the thing, the beauty about battlefield acupuncture is it's fast, it's um, easy to teach, it's easy to learn, um, it's effective, and it's safe. And so it works in 82% of the patient population. 82%. Wow. 82%. And of that 82%, it decreases patients' pain scores, an average of 2.5 points on the pain one to sco- ten On the 1 to 10 scale. That everybody hates. Right, but, but a two and a half that's a lot is a lot. It could take a patient from intolerable to intolerable. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So yeah. can anybody go and take this course and it, it where was, can you take it? So it was right now it's it's available within the Veterans Health Administration and um, it's offered to advanced practice providers within the within the system. They um, want, right. So if I wanted to learn how to do this, I couldn't because I'm not a VA CRNA? Uh, unfortunately, um, not. Um, if I'm still finding, trying to find ways that people outside the VA system can learn how to do it. Well, I My, mean, it, it, this would be great for, for lots of other patients. It's it, Right. And the, the VA set this up. It's not only, I'm using it in the perioperative area. That's why I'm here talking about it, but um, battlefield acupuncture is used in the outpatient clinics for chronic pain. So patients, veterans come in every two weeks and get their battlefield treatment. They'll come in a group and all sit around a table. You only need an ear. You don't need thing. You don't need to adru- <coughs> undress. Um, and they place the needles just like I did for you today. Mm-hmm. And then they walk out and they'll take the needles out a, a day or two later. And then they come back in, a, in two weeks for their treatment. So this, you know, part of the problem, acupuncture works. We know it, but it's hard to get access to acupuncture. So finding a protocol that I'm not an acupuncturist. I've only been privileged and achieved credentialing to perform this this on patients safely. Mm-hmm. So I took a, there was an offer for a class and that came through the email and I asked if I could take it and, and nobody else had heard of it. Nobody else was even thinking about it. And, um, but I went and I thought this would be perfect in our, in anesthesia. And from that class, their system wide approach was to teach people and then have them teach people and then go to your departments, get your privileges, get it a scope of practice, bring it to your departments and let it take off. But it's, up to us as the trainee, as the new battlefield acupuncture provider to kind of bring it to our departments or bring it to our practice. And <clears throat> so after I took the class, I went to back to my department and it took us about eight months to get it in the privileges because it is the, mm. it is the government. It is the VA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is the VA. <laughs> but we got in our privileges, we wrote a scope of practice. And then I had to convince everybody that it was a, something that we should do, especially um, the anesthesiologists weren't sure. real, just, it was a new idea and they weren't sure if it, if they wanted to bring it in. And then there was concern about um, 
the, needle, the needles and if there was an infection or losing the needles and um and but I just kept pushing for it. Every time I was at the head of the bed, I would talk to whatever surgeon or right. or um, or proceduralist that I was working with and tell them the great things about it. And then I finally got one um, electrophysiologist that I work with. His wife had taken the class um, also, and so he had some familiarity with it. And he said uh, that he was interested and I could do it on his patients. And so I ran down to my chief anesthesiologist and I said, he wants it up in the e- in the electrophysiology lab. Let's um, let's yeah. do it. And so I started there. And then once he saw it and he started singing the praises, then I just needed some buy-in from somebody. And then to get it, you started, to get me started, you got to have that first follower. And then it took off. And then I met I met with all the surgeons um, and had a discussion with them, t- telling them about it that we were going to use this in anesthesia. And they were excited about and it. And with the goal of calming people down decreasing their pain pain. and getting them to the optimum state prior to them going back for a surgery that's going to be a perfect line Mm. ah that's a perfect line beyond the mask is made possible by the team at crna financial planning with almost two decades of experience the firm guides crnas through the complexities of investing and financial planning schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304- 3748 or go online to com. What does this look like during your day at work? So um, I will go to a patient. The needles that I'm using now that I put in your needles, which are called pink Pionex needles, they're uh, a little, they look like a little Band-Aid, and, but in that Band-Aid, there's a one and a half millimeter st- uh, stainless steel needle um, so I can place these needles and they just stay on the ear and the patient can move around, they can sleep on them, they won't fall out. So I go up to the bedside and I'll ask a patient how they're feeling, are they having any pain, are you feeling anxious, and they'll let me know. And, and I will say, well, and if they are having one of those, I will um, ask them if they would like battlefield acupuncture and had they heard of it. Some of them have, mm-hmm. some of them haven't. And explain what it is. Tell them, just like I told you, it, mm-hmm. it, how it works. It works in 82% of the people. And um, would you like to try it? And uh, some people are, are no, I'm, I, I don't want needles in my ear. Or But a lot of people are just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try Kinda it. Kind of like us. I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gay. Yeah, let's I'm do gay. It. And then when you have a patient who is really anxious and you can treat them with these needles and you see them instantly calm down kind of like what happened to you that you kind of felt that instant calm Uh it's amazing because suddenly they have clarity of thought they can actually talk to their doctor and you know because the doctors always come in right before their surgery and and tell them all the things about their surgery all of which they don't remember because they're Mm -hmm. so anxious and if we give them first said or, or fentanyl, then we're, right. they have no idea anyway. And these days, at least in our hospital, patients, families aren't able to come to the bedside since COVID. So right. there's still nobody, not. Still not in our hospital. I don't know why. But, um, A little slow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but so there's nobody there for them. So this allows them to be relieved and at ease instead of dis-ease and be able to... Um, you got that right, Jeremy. <laughs> what? Disease. 
Dis- disease. 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 Yeah, I got it. Disease. Okay. Got that. <laughs> got it. I got this. Yeah. You, you, are- <laughs> you guys, if y'all can see him, he's got his headphones half on, half off. <laughs> and he's so relaxed. He is so relaxed. <laughs> he is so relaxed. All right. Tell us some success stories that oh you've had. Oh, my gosh. Because you were telling some in the lecture hall. Yeah. Well, the one... Um, the one that I just most recently had that was very profound was we had a a patient, a veteran in his uh, 30s. We have a, there's a high element of PTSD within sure. the veteran population. One in five veterans experience PTSD, one in 20 within the whole VA system, or the, in the general population. Mm-hmm. And we identify at our VA hospital, patients with PTSD with a yellow bouffant cap prior to them going back to surgery. So people can be aware that they may want, you know, no loud noises, don't touch a patient if they, you know, just to be cognizant. Right. So I was walking one day through the pre-op area and I walked past um, this gentleman sitting on his, on his, his gurney. He had the yellow hat on and he was so pale and his hands were clenched and I, I honestly have never seen anyone so scared prior to surgery. And this was not an elective surgery. He needed to have mm-hmm. it done. And it wasn't my patient. I, was, I just happened to be walking by and, and noticed him. But the anesthesiologist was at the bedside. And it was one of the anesthesiologists that I least expected to be on board with the battlefield acupuncture. And he said, Angel, come over. Um, why don't you do battlefield on him? And he was like, looking like we need it now. Thankfully, I had my needles in my pocket. So I was like, <laughs> whipped him out. And I'm like, okay. Well, I tried to talk to this gentleman. In talking to him, he was so anxious that he could only answer me with one word sentences. Oh, wow. He was, um, he gave me his name and he was able to answer yes and no. But I described the battlefield. I asked him if he wanted it. We only need an oral consent for battlefield. I don't need a written consent. And um, so I started the procedure. And as I got to finish with the last needle, I could see his color come back into his face. And I said, well, how are you feeling? And the same thing that you guys said, I'm starting to feel my fingers tingle. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think that's blood finally flowing to your face because you've been so clamped down with anxiety. And um, he was then able to talk in full sentences. And he was explaining that at some point um, in his military experience, he had to pull out shrapnel from either himself or somebody else. I'm not sure. And he had just gotten his IV. So... When he was sitting, when I saw him sitting there with his arms clenched and he was doing his deep breathing and as white as a ghost, he was saying that the whole time he was telling himself not to pull out that IV. It was taking every ounce of himself to not pull out that IV. And he had been getting, he was able to tell me then that he'd been getting PTS treatment and it worked, but he had just gotten to it. It had gotten beyond him at this point. And so he was so scared. But now he was able, he was calm. He had said his pain, his anxiety went from like a 10 to a 7, but it was a complete and utter change in his whole personhood. So he went back to surgery feeling calm, knowing that he was safe, and he could then use those tools that he learned to treat his PTSD, deep breathing, you know, meditation, just mantra to calm yourself, because he wasn't 
high off of drugs, he was had a had a clear hmm. brain and was at ease and able to deal with the situation at hand. That was um, really remarkable. And I, I've seen that so many times with patients. It'll take them from being so anxious to just being able to, to calm down and, and they'll be like, yeah, I, I feel good. I, I can do this now, <laughs> you know? And, and with pain, it's remarkable to hear a patient just say, yeah, my, my leg was really bothering me and now I, it, it's just not. Or going hmm. to a patient after surgery, I had a patient who I saw, I see them pre-op, you know, before I take, go into it, take it back to the OR and the day after. Mm-hmm. So uh, you do post-op visits? We visit. do post-op visits. Uh, not on every patient, but if, I, if I'm scheduled... If you do the ba- battlefield. Yeah. Uh, well, no, if, I, if, I, um, if I'm doing post-op rounds that okay. day, then okay. I will offer battlefield. But, you know, a patient had uh, back surgery, but it wasn't his back that was bothering him. He had slept wrong all night long in the <laughs> hospital bed, and his shoulder was killing him, and his, he had a massive headache. Ten out of ten. Put the needles in instantly gone and with him that day i i had um he was on a monitor and i could see his heart rate and blood pressure (gasps) were high so you could see so i could physically see it right in front of my eyes as his heart rate going down and his blood pressure going down so wow it's uh, it's amazing how it works so in asking how i do my day i will just go up to the patient like i said and um offer it before their surgery place the needles go back into the or and then remove them before we leave the operating room because I always want to, if you place the, place the needles, you want to remove them. Attention nurse anesthetists. Are you ready to take the first step toward being your own boss? Well, join us for a deep dive into the world of 1099 work with the upcoming workshop, Understanding the 1099 Landscape for CRNAs. Discover the key differences between W-2, PRN, and 1099 work. And equip yourself with essential knowledge, tools, and real-life case studies to make a confident switch to 1099. Not only will you earn up to 5.75 Class A CE credits, but you'll also have the opportunity to learn from the industry's finest, Jeremy Stanley, Sharon Pierce, and more seasoned experts. Plus, enjoy the vibrant sun and golden beaches of Fort Lauderdale while you're at it. This event, approved by the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology, is set for October 19th at the luxurious Marriott Harbor Beach Resort and Spa. Register now and take the first step toward being your own boss and potentially unlock higher earning potential as a 1099 employee. You can register right now at 1099workshop.aana.com. We'll also link to that in the description of today's show. This is an event not to be missed. We'll see you in Fort Lauderdale. Can you charge for this? I mean, do people, is so, it offered in the community? Do you know? For I, you know, it, we um, charge an encounter for 15 minutes um, using a specific uh, CPT code. And I have that yeah. code, um, which is 97810. And we do um, charge that with as an encounter within their charge. Okay. Yeah. Are you the only one at your facility who does this? No. So I I was trained in in 19, got the um, privileges and the scope, and then encouraged um, other CRNAs within our department to get it. And now we have half of our department. It um, is. (laughs) Did you just yawn? Did I? It's the battlefield. 
you're ready for a nap. I'm, I really am, actually. So. <laughs> you didn't watch the <laughs> Stick with us for a little uh, bit. I know. I'm I hoping I can make it through this. Actually, you can do so. it. You, if if you don't, it's okay. If, if I lay down. Sharon will take over. If you'll he know. lays down. It lays his head down on this table. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, please proceed. <laughs> <laughs> So the like like I said, the battlefield is a protocol, and I'm not an acupuncturist, and mm-hmm. um and, but it's a simple procedure, and it's easy to teach, easy to learn, and it works, um and it's not very expensive. The needles are not very expensive. Mm-hmm. Define not very expensive. Um, like uh, cents on like okay. you know under so a dollar for it, for uh, all uh, ten. Uh, right. Well, but I think it's like. I think it was seven or ten dollars for a box of maybe eighty in there. Yeah. Oh well. Jeez. So it's it's now. Do you you said you've got to put them on sequentially, right? In a certain. Yeah. Order. There's a so that's part of the protocol is, and that's why it's there's training for it. Oh and God. and so I'm not guessing. I'm not diagnosing whether you have pain and whether I should treat. That's what an sure, acupuncturist sure. does. That's a, a whole art and, and science within itself. So but do they train you with the acupuncture, the big needles that we are? Nope. No. Nope. This is just these little just, tiny. Just, just this. They look like little Band-Aids, yeah. little circular Band-Aids with the needle inside in this, in and the there's other needles you could use too there's another type called sarin d which looks more like an, uh, an an acupuncture needle which is long and it has a red tip but it's shorter for auricular mm-hmm. as opposed to um body okay. acupuncture because you do go deeper in the body i this swear to god he's almost got nystagmus <laughs> look at him well, if you want to lay down you can lay down we don't want to ruin your treatment i don't i don't know why it's not affecting you that way uh, it kind of worries me about you uh, well it maybe uh, my hands are sweaty yeah my hands don't my hands and my feet yeah my yeah. hands don't usually sweat interesting so it is yeah. it is interesting yeah. i do feel a little bit more relaxed i could take a nap yeah yeah but i don't know if it's because i've eaten so much <laughs> chocolate <laughs> oh, God. it's pr- not to take anything away from uh bfa right now right <laughs> so gosh um i want to learn how to do it so this is so, not fair well so and i encourage you to find ways to do it and the the way you know and sometimes you just have to use figure your it out. figure it out which i think could be talking to um could i get your protocol <laughs> the protocol is is there it's out there it's um it and it's taught in the acupuncture schools and it's there's different there are some sites on that may have some battlefield acupuncture certification. Ah, yeah. And did you find one? On yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was just looking it up. You did. Send that to me. And I want to learn how to do this. Right. And then just ask, you know, be able to see if you can do it on your patients, get privileges within whatever, wherever you're working or however that works for you. Um, 
I want to do it on my 91-year-old mother-in-law well, that I treat, lives with us. I treat all my family members yeah, ahead. Of I want to do it because, you know, she's her back bothers her. I mean, 91 years old. Right. She's been standing upright. Right. right. So her back bothers her. I think this would, and, and she's highly suggestible. I could tell her that's what it is. and <laughs> She wouldn't know any better. <laughs> and she'd probably, you know, yeah. you get placebo effect too. A placebo would, is a real effect. Yeah, absolutely it is. I want to learn how to do this. Yeah. Especially now, so I can do it to Jeremy, so I can watch. <laughs> yeah, and then you can get the needles mm. online. Um, um, I'm going to do this, and or you can, you know, my, t- my twins will be so happy. I've learned how to inject Botox, so I can Botox them, and yeah. I can BFA them. Right, right, right. <laughs> They'll well, be beautiful and rested looking. <laughs> and one of the studies was showing was. Um, just a case study of a couple of um, people receiving Botox injections for migraines or, mm-hmm. or different conditions, mm-hmm. and, but they were f- afraid of the needles. So battlefield acupuncture was done, even though it's a needle, it's a much smaller right. needle. So battlefield acupuncture was done so they could tolerate the Botox needle, which hmm. w- was um, scary for some people. So uh, it, you know, and... Um, my dentist, I was talking with him, and, you know, he said he had has patients that come in who are so mm-hmm. anxious, and oh. he doesn't use benzos or opioids within his practice, but this would be, he would be able to do. It has potential in so many areas, and I said that, you know, within the VA, the veterans can go to a battlefield acupuncture clinic and um, be treated on a regular basis. And for some, that's all they need for their chronic pain. That's enough to take it away and be tolerable. And, and you said they come in every two weeks. They come in every two weeks or has how, however long <coughs> and for however long they... How often do you treat your family? I treat them, well, whenever... I see my in-laws about every two weeks, and every time they're asking me to do it, I <laughs> I, I, I treat a friend who has um, who has needs a, a knee replacement and needs surgery, but his wife had foot surgery, and so they could only do one uh, one, one surgery in the family only one at a time. at a time, right? But he didn't want to go. It was bothering him more, and he didn't want to go up on his medication. And so we had been talking about it, and he's like, Angel, can I try it? So now he comes every um, every other Sunday, and it takes away his pain. The, uh, the last time I saw him, we had waited three weeks, and he was feeling pretty uncomfortable, limping. <coughs> Within 24 hours, he was walking straight, yeah. and it was just the battlefield wow. acupuncture. My wow. mother-in-law, her knee pain, it takes her from a 7 out of 10 to nothing. I think empowering our patients to be able to deal with their pain and anxiety on their own rather than just masking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not that I want our patients to live with pain, but finding other ways to treat it without altering and having, you know, interactions with other medications and side effects. Sure. You know, you can't, your 94-year-old mother uh, can't tolerate. <laughs> I don't know. She's barely a, a Tylenol. She, honey, she's a beast. Uh, yes, she, so she, <laughs> you can knock her down with a bunch of opioids. <laughs> And uh, I mean, uh, she about died eight years ago, and they had her in ICU. She was intubated. We signed no code papers on her. Everything extubated her. Y'all know the story. She flew. She lives with us for three years now. But they had her on a fentanyl drip 
and a propofol drip. And, I mean, they had her on uh, 150 oh mics God. per kilo plus fentanyl. Plus they were giving her benzos. I mean, it's like oh a, a damn horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She's and she a, came out of that okay. Yeah. We extubated her, baby. Nice. I had my wow. funeral clothes in the car. Oh I was ready God. to go to Jeez. a funeral. Wow. We sold her house, her car. Oh now, she, now she oh lives with God. you. Now, well, we sold her house and her car, man. So there wow. you have it. That's wow. what you get. Don't listen, people out there. Do not sell your mother-in-law's house and car when you think they're going to die because they might live. <laughs> Moral of the story. Moral of the story. <laughs> so as we uh, kind of wrap this up before yeah. Jeremy falls asleep yes. right here. Yeah. I mean, you are just so relaxed looking in your chair. Look at him. <laughs> uh, listen, I can count on one hand how many times I've seen him like this. Yeah. One hand. Yeah. Okay. So mm. what would you like to leave our listeners with as we wrap this up? I would really like people to start requesting for battlefield acupuncture and pushing for it. Currently, I want the access to battlefield acupuncture to increase because I really think it can be helpful. Um, And so currently I am working with a work group and we developed a a pilot program to allow nurses to be able to learn this protocol. And to, so that it'll, because right now only advanced pr- practice mm-hmm. providers can do it. There are, our nursing population is so much more and um, RNs are there at the bedside all the time. Why not treat it right when they need it? Not right. waiting wow. for, you know, they would need a diagnosis and they need to be willing to do it. But the nurses, having nurses do it will increase the availability within the veteran population hugely. So I'm really excited about that program. And I'm, we're also within the VA um, in our surgical service line training the pre and post-op nurses so that because while we have half of the CRNAs trained it's still there's people that are being missed and a lot of times it's just there might not be time between cases and you're rushing around so um, how many do you think you've done oh um (coughs) oh my gosh I've hundreds uh, I've done at least a hundred I've done at least a hundred patients more if not more at the VA but I've treated lots of people uh, <laughs> outside okay. too so, so a lot so uh, yeah. you've got a, yeah. a, a lot to draw and, from and, and you do learn and, and different people respond and, and differently and so it's just it's it's amazingly cool <laughs> uh, <laughs> the drug users don't respond very well are you are you talking what <laughs> What? What? <laughs> I mean, she okay. You're supposed to be cognitively alert at this moment with your. Well, that's because uh, he's getting sleepy. He didn't sleep last night. Yeah, uh, no, maybe that's what it is. Uh, maybe about an hour. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's yeah, a wrap. Jeremy. I think it's a wrap. Okay. Do uh, you remember? Until our next time. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing uh, the clothes for all right, you. Okay. Wake up. Well, Sharon, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. Sharon, if they like our show and want to help us grow, what can they do to help us? Well, the best way to help us to grow is to leave us a review 
but make it positive and nice. There you go. Because we know there's enough negativity in this world. Yes, we do. Um, Share us on social media. Tell all your friends. We grow by word of mouth. We're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country on the way to number one, just like we are in the CRNA community. Number one podcast for CRNAs in this country. Yeah. 125 countries around the world. This southern accent is downloaded in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time. It's a wrap. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.